Isn't it a great day to be in the house of the Lord? Amen, it is. Take your Bibles and let's turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 5. And I said something this morning most Baptist preachers should never say. I said that today's service should be a little bit shorter than normal. And everybody went, don't say that, because every time you say it's going to be shorter, it gets longer. All right, so I'll, we're going to do our due diligence today to get through the Word of God. How many of you want to be happy today in Jesus? And we sing the old song, there's only one way to be happy is to trust and obey. Someone brought to my attention last week that happiness is about what's happening right now. That's true. So we went a little bit deeper dive this week. If you were not here last week, we'll try to cover a little bit from last week, but jump right into this week because Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to you and me today if you've given your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Y'all, I want to tell you, we just, Mike read it earlier in Galatians 5. We'll read it again in just a moment. The flesh wars against the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God has already inspired men to write the Word of God so that we might have it in our language today. And when God has said it, it's done. Somebody used to say, well, God said it, I believe it, that's the end. That's not necessarily true. God said it, that's the end. Whether you believe it or not, that's your problem, not God's. Would you agree? So when God speaks of the Beatitudes, he's speaking to us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's telling you, do you want to be happy? Do you want to have, be a, live a blessed life? Then this is the way you do it. And each thing that he starts with, and I told you, he put the lower cookies, if you will, on the bottom shelf so we could actually get them as we mature in Christ to get to the upper shelves. But he put the stuff at the beginning, at the beginning. And last week we read, we'll jump into Matthew chapter 5, and I'm going to read, each week I'll begin reading what Jesus did. Verse 1, Matthew 5, 1, and seeing the multitudes, that's everybody, lost people mixed in with some of his disciples. He saw the multitudes, and you would think it said, and he began to preach, but it doesn't say that, does it? He leaves the multitudes, he looked at them, then he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Who came to him? The multitudes or his disciples? His disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. I'd like you to do this for me today. Go to your notes and let's look at this. This is how most in the church, I don't know how you grew up, if you grew up in the church, out of the church, 50-50, riding the bus, somebody's neighbors took you, mom and dad took you, whatever you went to, ever how you went, I want you to see this from God's word. Most people would read the Bible and call the Beatitudes by names. Have y'all ever, who has never heard the word Beatitude? Have you never heard that word? Who has heard the word Beatitude? Let me just reverse it. Sometimes when somebody says, what is the Beatitude? You would say what? You could be called it the blessing statements from Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, or you would call it the blessed statements. But I put something here. We would call the Beatitudes by name and assume there's a general promise within them for everyone. The Beatitudes is not for everyone. Say that with me. The Beatitudes is not, you don't want to say it, do you? Let's try it again. The Beatitudes is not for everyone. It's only for Christ's followers. Say that with me. It's only for Christ's followers. These sayings are, is only for Christ's followers. You say, well, I'm not a Christian. Doesn't apply to you yet. What are non-Christians chasing today, y'all? You see TV, you, you're on social media. What is everybody chasing? I want something, right? I want stuff. I want that achievement. I want to, people are moving all over the country. People are actually selling off. People are divorcing. People are doing whatever it takes to get what I want out of life. They're breaking relationships. They're breaking fellowships. Uh, they're making new relationships they shouldn't. They're making deals. They're taking loans. 
doing whatever they can do to make myself happy. This makes me happy. One woman told me, this has been years ago, so please don't come to me after church and say, why are you talking about me? It's not in this church. She said to me, I heard the message on missions, and I was called to the mission field when I was a young child. Therefore, this woman had two children, and she was married. She said, therefore, I heard the message on missions. I really feel that call has been renewed in my life. Therefore, I want to tell you, I'm leaving my husband and my children, and I'm going to go to the mission field. What advice would you give that woman? That's not from God. If it crosses up on Scripture, it's not from God. It, when you're married, men, you're going to hear this next week on Father's Day as well. Listen, we want to honor fathers, of course, but we want to honor the Father. And he's already spoken how dads are supposed to be. You're the spiritual leader of your home. You're the pastor of your little church at home. You have responsibilities, whether you take them or not. You say, well, I, I, I can't do this. I'm not a pastor. Yes, you are, according to God. You're the shepherd in your house. And if you don't lead, you're going to be held accountable for what you did do, what you didn't do. You say, well, I'm not capable. If you can read, you're capable. Amen? There should have been a big amen across the room. Amen. If you can read, you're capable because you can read the words of God. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit will give you understanding. At least you find commentaries, a Bible dictionary, Google, something will help you get to the word of God. I'm bound to determine to make Google a Christian before my time on earth is over. Every time I search something, I know the Bible verse, I'll say part of it so Google has to tell me what the verse is. Have y'all done that? Do a Google search. Make Google search the scripture. I make Google constantly search the scripture. It's just awesome to make it do it. It's just something I like to do in my spare time. But if we look closer, listen, we see the divine joy. This divine joy, that's what Beatitudes are right here. It's like kind of a definition. Divine joy and pure happiness. That's what a beatitude is. Jesus is saying, do you want divine joy that only comes from what is divinity? God. God joy and God happiness. Listen, this is what you'll do. It's reserved for only those who believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It's only reserved for his disciples. There's a reservation with your name on it if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, sure, you can accept the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's what he wants you to do. That's what we want you to do. And when you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ, the beautiful thing is he gives you everything that comes with the package. He gives you peace. The Bible says he's the prince of peace. He gives you himself to be a counselor. He says he's a wonderful counselor. He gives you the opportunity to serve under a mighty God who's in charge of all of creation because he spoke it and it happened. He promised you protection. He says he's an everlasting father. He'll walk you through those tough times. Every time that you need him, we sing about when we need him, he's there. Every time that we sing, he's there. Every time that we pray, he's there. Every time that you slept or sleep, last night, did you sleep? Anybody sleep well last night? I did. I woke up and said, Lord, what a great night's sleep. I woke up before my alarm this morning, ready to go. And I said, I think I went to sleep. I don't remember, right? So that's kind of that's good sleep if you don't remember the night, right? Didn't get up, no bumps in the night. He's there. The Bible says he never sleeps nor slumbers. That's the God that we serve. Look, you see this in the verses. Jesus pulled away from the crowd to be with his disciples. And I got news for you today. If you're a disciple of his, he will take any time you need to pull aside with you through the Holy Spirit. He says, I'm going back to the Father. Remember Acts when we were in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1? He said, I'm going back to the Father. But when I go back to the Father, I'm going to ask him to send you the Comforter. And when the Comforter comes, he will show you all things. So you say, well, I don't know what to do in my next job assignment. The Holy Spirit knows. 
I don't know what words to say to my neighbors. They're not Christians. The Holy Spirit does. And where does God write his words? We learned it at preschool, right? The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Do you believe what you're saying when you were in preschool, vacation Bible school? Speaking of vacation Bible school, why in the world would we ever have to ask anybody to volunteer for vacation Bible school? Did you go to vacation Bible school? Did you love it? Did you come to Christ during VBS? Then why in the world would you not take vacation to work vacation Bible school? You say, Pastor, that's asking a lot. Yes, it is. But I'm telling you, listen, I'd do whatever it takes to work vacation Bible school. I'd pour Kool-Aid. I would preach or teach to whatever it needs to be done. I would count coins because we're going to be boys versus girls. But there is no reason under heaven why our volunteers should be asking volunteers to work for the Lord Jesus Christ to evangelize children in the community. We pray about missions that God's called us on mission. Do y'all believe God's called us on mission? Yes or no? Y'all know where I'm going, don't that's why you're not on answer. Like, then he's gonna hit me up, right? Has God called us to evangelize the world? Where does he tell his disciples when he in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you shall be my disciples? Where? In your hometown first, in Jerusalem. You'll start in your backyard, and then I'm gonna send you to the end of the earth. Where do you think he wants you and me to start? in our backyard, and this is parents sign up. This is strange people, some we know, some we don't know. Strangers sign up their children to give them to us three hours a day for five days straight so we might tell them about the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you think that's the Great Commission? If you don't think it is, you don't know Jesus. It is the Great Commission. He's brought them to our back door. He let us have these wonderful facilities. He let us have the, everything that we have, the people that we have, so that we might bring people to Jesus Christ. Now, does he still want us to go? The answer is absolutely yes. And we will and we are. But those beautiful occasional times, he lets us to come and share. He said, well, I can have an hour. Here's what we did in Smartbury. I asked people to take their lunch hour, come teach the Bible st story first thing in the morning, and then go back to work and leave their class with the other assistants. There's something you can do if you're willing to do for the Lord. He said, well, I don't know enough. Get over yourself. If you made it out of preschool, you know enough if you're a Christian. Amen? If you have a Bible, you know enough. You're going to know what the lesson plan is. There's only five lessons, and we're not teaching deep theology. Vacation Bible School is about reaching children with the gospel of Jesus Christ and their families. Does that interest anybody? There should be never a need for the bulletin ever again to say we need volunteers to teach children. But why do we do it? Every church is begging everybody, would you please do what Jesus commanded you to do? Jesus is telling us very clearly, listen, there's a way to live. And here's the way to live. You want to be happy? Serve Jesus. Quit serving yourself. We've got a problem with the Trinity. Me, myself, and I is in front of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The things I want go first, and when I'm done with my stuff, if I have leftovers, then I'll come back and give something to God. That's how we give our finances, that's how we give our time, and that's how we give our talent. We ask people in church, do you have a talent to sing or play an instrument? Well, I used to play all through high school and college, but I don't play anymore. Why would you think God gave you that opportunity to put you in that very place in that time so that you might throw it in the garbage can or so that you might use it for the glory of the Lord? What do you think? That was a question. You don't want to answer because once you answer, you've got to say, I'm not doing it. It's, the answer is absolutely incriminating on your own self when you say, he wants me to use it for his glory. 
And then the next question is, are you using it for his glory? If the answer is no, then you're doing what? To know to do the right thing and not do it, James says this to is what? S-I-N, sin. That's part of the war that you're having with your spirit, with the spirit of God. You know what's right. He's telling you what's right. He speaks in his word what's right, yet you resist because I don't have time for that. Me, myself, and I is in front of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Do you understand what Jesus is saying? Get your priorities right, get it fixed, and if you put me first, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all the junk that you need will be added to you. Isn't that what it says? Well, not junk, but stuff, right? He'll meet all of your needs. He made a commitment to you and me as believers. He'll meet all of your needs, his need, your need, according to his glory in heaven. This is the God that we serve, and we treat him like he's some kind of side note or something we do just on Sunday, and then I'll go and hear a little word that makes me feel good, and then I'll go home. Please don't tell me, Pastor, you stepped on my toes today. I'm just telling you truths from the word of God. If we would, we tell our kids constantly, hey, would you critically think about that, right? We give them, we give them scenarios, or we give them subject matter and say, we want you to do what? Critically think how to solve this problem. We have a problem with Vacation Bible School. I asked Kelly this morning, how's it going? She goes, still need volunteers. I'm like, what? We're almost there. That should be not be critical thinking, should it? Duh. Christ has commanded us to go to all the nations, and the nations are here. He's saved my soul from hell. I've been baptized. I've been redeemed. I'm, I'm obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ the best I know. I've confessed my sins. I should be ready to go. Amen? Nobody's amen, and because, not everybody, because what's happening, if you amen, you're already working. You're already signed up. Everyone else is like, mm, not me. This message is not relevant. Then you're missing the whole boat of understanding what Jesus is talking about. We mentioned last week, go back to your notes. To be poor in spirit means to be righteously, excuse me, I jumped, didn't I? Jesus pulled his disciples, uh, pulled away from the crowd to be with his disciples. Only they heard the truth from Jesus. And then he shared them with us. We listen and grow in faith. What if Matthew was acting like you? What if Matthew said, I know what God wants me to do. He wants, he's compelling me to write down the scriptures, but I just don't have time. I mean, I used to roll into money. I was a tax collector. I, I'm missing those nice days. I'm going to get a side hustle, a side job. I'm going to get some overtime in, and then I'll do that when I get a chance, if I get around to it. And Matthew never got around to it. We would not have this word of Jesus today here. You and I would miss this today, but God had a plan. But church, don't miss this. God has a plan for you and for me. He has, you have something to give him, and you must make investments as you live. Every day, you're making investments in other people's lives. So many times we do this, palms up. Well, I don't because, and we have this professional victim's mentality. Have y'all heard it? Especially this generation. It's not my fault. Just give it to me. I don't want to work for it. I just want it. Am I ringing a bell? Have you heard it? Have you watched the news? Listen to the news? Read the news? That's what's happening. We listen to the word of God and then we grow in faith. Do you want more faith? Do you want the faith to move mountains? Do you want the faith of a mustard seed that Jesus talked about? Do you want faith to see things change in your life, to see that true joy that comes from Jesus Christ, seeing him work miraculous things in your life, seeing him use you as a tool for the kingdom? Do you want to see that? Do you want your faith to grow? The Bible says when you become a Christian, the Lord gives you a measure of faith. Y'all know the measuring cups, right? Let me just ask you a dumb question. Do you want a teaspoon or a tablespoon of faith? 
The big, Mike said, I'll tell you the big one. What's the big one? Tablespoon is the big one. Do you want a tablespoon or measuring cup of faith? Can I keep going? Do you understand what I'm saying? The Lord gives you, and the Bible says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Do you want your faith to grow? Read what he says and then exercise and do what he says to do. Then you say, I believe. And then after a while, you'll start sounding like a preacher. And then a missionary, and God will call you. You need to be teaching that every Sunday. You need to be saying that every Wednesday. And you have this compulsion in your heart and say, Lord, i got to do something else. Hey, Pastor, I need to be teaching. God's put on my heart. And that's how teachers are grown up in the church. Some are gifted to be teachers. And you won't know if you're gifted as a teacher until you get into the Word of God and you exercise that gift within the body. And then he'll send you on the mission field. You'll go do things for the Lord. You would think he would never use me to do this. How does he use me, somebody from the country who grew up in the country in the middle of nowhere to go around the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ? You know your pastor's an international speaker. Doesn't that sound good on my resume? Nobody thinks it sounds good. Time you go somewhere and preach and teach, you're an international speaker. I've preached in China. I've preached in Germany. I've, I've, I've preached in the subways in England. I, I, I've preached, listen, when we go to uh, Canada, we, we, wherever we go, I've preached in Kenya. I've preached in Tanzania. How does somebody from the country who has no interest in going anywhere in the world, I didn't have interest to fly, I hate flying air, on airplanes. How does God take someone from the country to use them for the gospel, for his glory? The answer is, I don't know, but only God can do that. And you're no different where you're from and who you are. God's made you so special that he has a plan for your life. You might be gifted just like me, but your personality makes it come out and sound so much different. You can reach people in your sphere of influence that I will never, ever meet, vice versa. God's made all of us unique for his glory. And he wants you to use your words and your talents and everything that you have for his glory. The Kenyans were coming back. They drove from Arkansas, and several people volunteered their houses, had beds made up ready for them. And I said, uh, man, it's getting late. Some of our folks were retired. Some had to go to work the next day. I called them around 930 or 940. Some of them said, look, just go to bed. We're going to take care of them. What does my wife do? She starts the whole, like, a, a, a refugee camp in our living room. She put blown up mattresses all over the place. She's got the couch ready, the extra bedrooms ready. The girls hadn't yet left, so we didn't have the rooms upstairs, but Kenny's like, I'll sleep on the floor, they can have my bed. And so we end up putting them at the uh, motel that we use on a regular basis when we help people in transition. They got them next morning, we're going to drive to Daytona Beach, come back, and worship with us today. And I told the pastor, he's probably watching, I said, look, what you're doing is not good. You're using all your gifts, but what I want you to do is go to Daytona Beach, minister to that church, let your people spend time swimming at Daytona Beach, one of the greatest beaches on the East Coast, and then go get your flight and go over. He said, be sure I want to tell your people, I want you to come with us. I want you to come over to Kenya and minister with us, but there's so much work to do. And I said, I tell you this, if God leads us, and I believe he's going to lead us because... He never makes kingdom connections that he don't want us to continue. Do you understand how that works? So if you're a builder, I'm not a contractor. I'm not a carpenter. I'm not a brick mason. I'm not. Listen, this trip, this trip's coming up. They want to build, and they use workers, laborers to come and do it. 
I told him, I said, when you preach the gospel, get to the point quickly. Preach Jesus, but then tell people what you want them to know, what you want them to ask for. Ask them the question. And God blessed him that he, he would just ask, can I preach or sing? He never asked for much other than, do you want to sponsor a child? Some of y'all did that. But I told him, get to the point. I said, I heard you're building wells. He said, we are building wells. I said, you never asked us at Town Creek to build a well. I said, you stood in my pulpit and didn't ask our people to do anything. Besides, you told the story of the Good Samaritan. You, sh you shared about how to become a Christian. But you never asked us to build a dig a well. You, you showed us the sponsoring children and the nice things from Africa. That was nice. But you never asked. He said, well, I told you about it. I said, no, that's, there's a lot of opportunities. Do we not have a lot of opportunities today? He said, well, would you sponsor a well? What do y'all think? Would we, as Town Creek Baptist Church, Town Creek Christian Academy, and Town Creek Christian Academy Preschool, with all the people that we have connections, do you think a well costs $11,000? Do you think we would sponsor a well? So I committed to I said, we will sponsor a well since you asked us. I said, if I had to pay for it myself, we'll sponsor a well. He said, why didn't you say that earlier? So because you didn't ask me. Get to the point. So he goes out to Arkansas, as he said, Arkansas, and they, they correct him out there. I told him how to say it so he can make fun of him. I said, when you say it, S-A-S, Arkansas. So that's, how he, that's what he called when he got there, First Baptist Church, Arkansas. And they said, no, it's Arkansas. He said, but Pastor Clint said it, Arkansas. So I'd set him up. He goes out there, and I said, how did it go when you got out there? And he went to the largest church, Springdale. Now it's called Cross Church. He said, Pastor, I went there, and I got to the point. And he said, I asked them to build the second level of our orphanage. Because in Kenya, they pre-build the floors, almost like a prefab. They got all the poles sticking up, build floor one, live in it, then build floor two, three and four if they don't have the money. He said, we raised enough money to build the entire second floor. I said, to the glory of God, and then right, get to the point. He said, I'll always do that. So he said, I'm not coming back to South Carolina because you told me. We're going to rest at the beach and they fly, out. they fly out tomorrow morning. So be praying. If you've got a skill or even a want to, get your passport now because, listen, we're going to be on mission with God. We're going to start here, but we're going there. Now that COVID's over, we're getting back to going there. And we also have other plans in Nicaragua, Honduras, and other places that God's calling us to by our connections. We mentioned last week the poor in spirit means to be righteously humble. This is the lifestyle God will bless. We must remember, remember this, because I always thought meekness was weakness. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness refers to power under control. Micah 6, 8, verse Peter 5, 6 to 11. Look at those scriptures. You can read those on your own time. When we look at our sin, as God looks at our sin, it causes us to be broken and repentant. Have you ever had the Holy Spirit just grip your heart and say, what you're doing is wrong? How you're living is wrong? How you're talking is wrong? What you're doing with your resources is wrong? Have you ever had a moment of just brokenness before God? You say, well, I, I thought this was a message about being happy. Well, let me tell you, you got to go down before you go up. You got to get to the place of hitting your knees before a holy God and saying, God, I'm not worthy. You're a loving God. I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful woman. And I'm sorry for my sins. Lord, would you forgive me? What is the answer, church? <clears throat> the answer is yes, because at the cross, he died for all sins, sins of the past, sins of the present, and your sins of the future. You say, well, I don't want to sin again. None of us do, but we war, as Mike read, against the flesh. My body wants to do evil things, and the spirit within me wants to do holy things. And whoever I give my attention to, that's what I do. 
And you can measure your life. Look at last week. Did you give your life over to evil things? Did you give your life over to holy things? Who did you follow, yourself or the Holy Spirit? Follow the Holy Spirit, I guarantee you had a great week. You might have every kind of encounter, every kind of bad situation, speeding tickets or whatever it might be last week. Well, I guess you wouldn't get a speeding ticket if you were following the Spirit, would you? Because you'd be doing the speed limit. But whatever fell apart at your home, listen, God was there. When it rained, right when you were planning something, God was there. Have you been praying for rain? I have been. And when it comes, what do you do? It's raining. No. Hey, praise God from who all blessings flow, right? We got caught in the rain this week. It was so much fun. Kids were on slipping slide. Dried off, came over to the garden. I said, we better head back. I think Haven was the last one in with a kid. When it rained, you thought, I can't get wet. They all screamed and ran through the door. They just got off the slipping slide. They were soaking wet. Just our mindset of actually how we, I don't want to get wet. Not realizing I'm already wet. Look, we must be broken and repentant about our sin. Sin will break us down. You might say, well, I just want to have fun, do all the, whatever I do in my life, drugs, alcohol, whatever brings me pleasure, that's what I want to do. That's what the flesh desires. Go back and read Galatians 5, all of it. Paul makes a list of the sins. You say, well, what sins is he talking about? Go back and look. He'll tell you. These are the sins of the flesh. He'll name them by name. And then you come back and say, well, how do I live by the Spirit? He'll even tell you how to live by the Spirit because he says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness. And he goes, all those things. Number one, number nine is of the fruit of control, of, of, of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Control of self. When we talk to children, we talk to adults. When someone does something wrong, we say, listen, there's a, what did you do? What happened? I don't know. And my answer is always this. There's only two people who do know, you and God. And God's not speaking out loud today, so what happened? You made that choice. When you share the gospel with someone, guess what? They're choosing to either accept Jesus Christ or turn and reject Jesus Christ. If they say, maybe later, I'll think about that, that's a rejection of Jesus Christ. If they die in a car accident immediately after rejecting Jesus Christ or wanting to think about it, they'll go to hell just like the worst sinner that you can name. That's the truth of the gospel. That's why the Bible says today's the day of salvation. We must be broken and repented about our sins. In your notes, there is divine joy and pure happiness for those who have repented of their sin and are walking in right fellowship with God. I didn't put relationship on purpose because once you're saved, your relationship lasts forever. There is no takebacks in Christianity. Once you belong to Jesus, he belongs to you. You can act like a fool, he'll take you home early, but listen, there's no takebacks. So you can ruin your fellowship with Jesus, you can't ruin your relationship with Jesus. You say, well, I don't fully understand that. If my children paint themselves purple or pink and move to the furthest part of the world and say, I don't know that man, they can't deny it when we take a DNA test, they belong to me and they belong to their mother. Amen? Same, it's the same with the Father. Once we've given our heart life to Jesus Christ, we had that personal love relationship with Jesus. Once we've fallen in love with Jesus Christ and he's accepted us into the, to the family, we forever belong to the family. We've been adopted into the family of God forever. I might stray. The Bible says if a father disciplines his children, how much more the heavenly father, those he loves. That's me and you, brother, me and you, sister, if you belong to Christ. There's divine joy and pure happiness for those who have repented of sin and are walking in right fellowship with God. He is pleased with us, 
and we are satisfied in him, not by him, because sometimes God lets cancer come. Sometimes God lets heart disease come. Listen, we, we have those tough times going, why in the world did God do this to me? I was full throttle for Jesus, and all of a sudden I got this bad situation. And I look around the room, and I know a lot of your stories. We got a lot of stories in this room of medical and financial stuff that's happened to people. You know who you are. Some of you know stuff I don't even know. But God, listen, can I say God is faithful in the good times and God is faithful in the bad times? Would you say amen? He's God. He's on his throne. You might be in the middle of something right now. He's still God and he's still faithful. When Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted, those are the people who are sorry for their sins. They're broken over their sins. And they shall be comforted by whom? The comforter. Who is the comforter? The Holy Spirit of God, God himself. Read those passages of scriptures, how we should live. Some people say, well, I'm not that bad. Go to 1 John, if we would. 1 John chapter 5. Excuse me, 1 John chapter 1. Get, just go with me. Let me hear your Bible's turn. It's, it's, it's important to be there, especially you dads. Make sure your kids are seeing you turn in the word of God. And dads, if you've got a problem with your phone, cell phones, throw it away. Can I encourage you? Be a man, throw your phone away, and model for your children how to actually read. Let me look that up real quick. Don't do that constantly. Moms, don't do it either. Hold on a second. Take the word of God. Teach your children how to actually, when Mike said, it's after 1 Corinthians, Gentiles, what? I never heard. Gentiles eat pork chops. Did y'all, know what he, did y'all hear him say that? Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. That's the way he memorized it, I guess. Who taught you that? Adrian Rogers. There you go. 1 John chapter 1. Look what the word of God says. Verse 5 through 10. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But, and there's a bunch of ifs in here, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, that's church fellowship, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make God a liar and his word is not in us. You ever heard somebody say, I don't sin anymore? We had somebody who visited our church said, I don't, I don't believe that first John 1, 9 stuff. Once I became a Christian, I don't sin anymore. I said, are you married? He says, yeah, I'm married. I said, I'd like to talk to your wife take a few minutes wouldn't it a few seconds if you sin and you will sin you must constantly come back and say lord i'm sorry for my sins would you forgive me but i thought i said you already been forgiven of your sins earlier because jesus died of past present and future sins why do i have to confess again as a believer why do i have to say and keep short accounts with god because he wants you to understand and grow in your faith he wants you to see your sin as he sees your sin He's up there with a big spotlight on your sin going, that's the problem. And you're like, I don't know what's wrong in my life. You talk to people like, <laughs> when I do counseling, people like, I don't know, Pastor. Like my life just falling apart. Mm, how about the way you're talking about others? How about that gossip, right? You ever, aren't you glad I'm not God? I'd be a terrible God, right? I'd be filling heaven up left and right. Just get them off the planet. But God, he's so gracious in love. When we sin, he forgives us. He loves us. The Bible, if you read 1 John, keep reading, it says God is love. God is light. 
all the things that we cherish is found in Jesus Christ. If we would just be simply smart enough or faithful enough to release ourselves and trust him. And that's that measure of faith. You say, but I'm scared. It's okay to be scared. But guess who takes away all fear? Jesus Christ. Guess who made you? Jesus Christ. Let's do it. We ain't done it in a while. COVID's over and we can do it now. Ready? Everybody take a deep breath and let it out. Who gave you the breath? Jesus Christ. You've got everything that you have because of Jesus Christ. Why would you not trust him with your eternity? Why would you not trust him with your finances? Why would you not trust him with your health? The answer is because we've got ourselves in the way. We must humble ourselves before the Lord. If we excuse, cover, or defend sin in any capacity, we are sinning against God and misunderstand the teachings of Jesus. Believers must daily submit to the Holy Scriptures and the Holy Spirit's leading and fight the flesh. There's a war going on every second in your mind, even in this sermon when you're thinking about things, even when you go to pray before the Lord Jesus Christ, Satan and his minions would try constantly in the flesh would constantly try to put and insert things in your mind that would take you far away from thinking about God, and you'll start thinking about those problems, or you'll start thinking about that filth that you used to be a part of, or you'll think about something that's sinful, and it, Satan will try to take your mind away. Satan and his team, the world and your flesh, We'll try to take you away. The TV, Facebook, just social media, just something. I need to check this real quick, get this real quick. The chicken's out back, the dog out front, right? There's always something just going to let it bark, let it cry, let it do until you get your answer from the Lord. He wants to speak with you daily. To receive the wonderful comfort that comes through fellowship with God, we must be diligent to keep short accounts with God. We must run away from sin. You know what Paul told Timothy? Let's, let's go over there. And by the way, the sin in Romans 3, 21 through 26, read that for yourself. But read 2 Timothy with me. Let's go there. I want you to see this. this. This is constantly, I hear this at youth councils and different places. This is not just for teenagers, by the way. Anybody a teenager in the room? Anybody 13 or older, raise your hand. Some of us have been teenagers a long time ago, right? So that inner teenager, just so you know, you look at all the white hair. That teenager's still inside that person's body, right? What was the first car you got? Somebody, as a teenager, somebody that's over 50, what was the first car you got? VW Bug, that's not even a car. I'm just kidding, that's like a Pinto Bean with wheels. What was it, Bernard? A 38 Chevrolet. Richard, what'd you get, first one? You remember? Richard Bragg, first car you had. 47 Nash. Y'all even know what a Nash is? <laughs> Somebody else, what was your first car? 66 GTO. Now we're talking. We know who was spoiled, right? Just kidding. Listen, we, that teenager's still inside of all of us, and sometimes even when you get older and get white hair, that teenager says inside of you, hey, man, I bet you can do it. Go ahead and jump. Go ahead and hang out with those boys and try to keep up with them, right? Old men do that anyway, right? And I constantly tell them, shut up. Don't talk to me because I've done that before. I've listened to you. And you've got me in trouble, teenage young men inside of me, right? You think you're 17, can do it, it's still at 17, and you do it. And then your body tells you really quick, and listen, uh-uh. You passed that a long time ago and your shoulders hurt, your back hurts, your head hurts, right? Same thing within the spirit. Watch this. This is what the Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. He's telling them to tell the church, remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord, not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin 
of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will be spread like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of these sort, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection has already passed, and they overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, verse 19, the solid foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity or sin. But in a great house there are not, are there not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor? Therefore, if anyone, if, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, and useful for the master. That's God. Prepared for every good work. Flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife and fightings. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance so they may know the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, have been taken captive by him to do his will. God has a will for your life. God has a will, your life's in it. But remember, Satan has a will as well, and it's to destroy you. He's, he, the Bible calls him the great thief, right? He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus has come to give us life that we might have it here and now, but have it more abundantly. Why would we not choose Jesus? Why would the world not choose Jesus? Why do we chase after all those things that make us feel bad in the morning, make us hurt later on? Why do we chase those things? It's because we're warring against the flesh. And that's what the Lord was talking about when he says, blessed are those who mourn, who repent of their sin. They're sorry for their sins. They're cut deeply for their sins. They're mourning about their sins. And yet when they come to him, Lord, I am no good. I can't do this anymore. This Christian life's too hard. He says, don't live the Christian life. Just be you and let me live through you. Do you see it? You ever played with puppets before? The puppet doesn't speak, just so you know, if you're ever kids, puppets don't really talk, okay? It's the puppeteer. We are the puppets. Don't live the Christian life. Let Jesus live it through you. Do you understand how it works? Then you have peace. Then you have patience. Then you have gentleness. Then you have kindness. Even if you're a mean-spirited person, you come from just being Coella DeVille, You'll come to know Jesus Christ, and then you'll start living. And he'll start taking, oh, you shouldn't say it that way. And you'll have brothers and sisters come and say, hey, you probably shouldn't dress like that anymore. You probably shouldn't talk like that anymore. You know, having a hog ring in your nose probably is not the best thing to share the gospel with somebody uh, in a community where uh, y'all know what I'm talking about. So if I, could, if, I, if I actually just take away from you, what I'll do is actually not do that thing, right? There's people who can minister to other people can't minister to other people. Do you understand how God works? Different classes, different societies, you get to go different places. But if something offends somebody and you can change it, guess what you should do? Change it. Well, they just got to accept me just the way I am. Ain't that our generation? You got to take me the way I am. It's not what Jesus said. Listen, since a Christian's not quarrelsome, we're not going to strive for those little fights, those custom, you know, how my clothes look. 
We're going to go to the place that, actually I, that I can minister to you. If I'm going to Africa, listen, when you wear, when you go to Kenya, if you wear shorts, Steak will come to America. He's like, oh, oh. He's walking around like this constantly. Oh. I was like, what are you doing? He's covering the legs. It's like, what are you talking about? And the girls were wearing shorts and dresses. They don't do that in Kenya. They cover all the way down to the ankles. They don't wear any tops, but that's beside the point, right? <laughs> I mean, they got no tops on, but they're like, he's covering ankles because that's the childbearing area. So it was shameful to show your knees. So he would basically cover, when he would meet somebody, after a while, he, I said, look, lighten up, man, put your hands down, you're freaking me out, and, and all these other people around you. But it was his culture, so when, I, when we go there, guess what we do? We wear, I wear long pants, but I learned, thank God for the companies that made the zip-off pants. I wear long pants out to the bush when I minister to people who aren't Christians, and then as soon as we get back to camp, I zip them off, and I go back in the shorts, so I can cool back off. But we adjust to the people that we minister to. And when we go, we're going to have free training, right? I went to China and despised rice. You think I ate rice in China? Every stinking place we went, we had rice. And I would eat it really fast. One place I was squat on a squatty chair, I ate so fast. Thank you, Jesus, I got that down. And the lady's like, oh, he's hungry. So she filled my bowl back up. <laughs> I didn't have kind words for the missionary. To receive the wonderful comfort that comes through fellowship with God, we must be diligent to keep short accounts with God. It's not because he's mad at you, it's because he loves you and he wants what's best for your life. If we knew better, we would want what he wants. Did y'all know that? If he has all knowledge and we tap into his knowledge, he shows you exactly what you need for your life. He'll show you what to do, what to say, where to go, how to do it. But we must fully depend on him. And I put a couple questions. What's your status with God? Are you saved? Do you belong to the family of God? Are you opposed to him? He said there's only two fathers. Father God, are you a father of the devil? There's no other body else to belong to. Do you dabble with sin? Do you mess around with sin? Say, well, you know, it's just a little sin. Have you ever humbled yourself before a holy God and repented of your sins? Have you come to the place where he's talking about, blessed are those who mourn, those who repent and say, I'm sorry, God, for my sins. I'm going to bring you comfort. That's what the Lord's telling us. Are you chasing after God, making disciples of Jesus as you live your life? Yes or no? Because you've got to be making disciples. That's what we've been called to do. Disciples of Jesus make disciples of Jesus. It starts at home. It starts with dad and mom. It starts with us. Young people, it starts with you. Schoolmates. With professors, teachers, it starts with us. And God can use you. You say, well, I don't think I can do that. Don't think. Just ask him. If he shows you what to do, say yes, sir, and move on. Watch what he does. He'll use you in a mighty, wonderful way because he's a mighty God. He's an everlasting father. He's our prince of peace. He's a wonderful counselor. And he's there for you and he's there for me. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. Let's pray. Father God, you are an awesome God. And we want to tell you that we love you and thank you when we take your word. And morning doesn't sound like something we want to do, especially guys. But Lord, when we put it in context of knowing that you want us to have a broken heart and a contrite spirit over our sin, then we understand, yeah, I want that because I want to be right with you and right fellowship with you. Help us, Lord, to drop our pride, our selfish ambitions, and to put you first and follow you step by step each day. Not because, Lord, we are dumb or, 
or, or lack. It's because, Lord, we know you know best. And Lord, we submit ourselves to you. You show us your plan and your will and allow us to follow. And not only do you allow us to follow, you help us day by day. When it's tough, you encourage us. When it's easy, you encourage us. Lord, thank you for being such a great and wonderful Father. We bless your name today. And then, Lord, if there's somebody here that's never given their heart and life to Jesus Christ, I pray that today will be the day of salvation for them. And if somebody's a Christian today and they've been trying to live between the road, the, the yellow lines in the middle of the road, Lord, they've been both foot in both lanes, I pray today you'd run them smack over with the Holy Spirit. Change their heart that they might serve you forever here and beyond for the sake of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.